Good morning. Man, um, so I was at this point in time going to like go through some pictures. If we got that ready to go, just dump that. Um, yeah, we're just going to the Bible. Um, so uh, we were going to just kind of run through like a quick history lesson of overflow. But man, um, I don't want to just pass over what God's doing and talk about like what a building is or, you know, like. It's amazing that God's been faithful for five years, but if we leave today thinking about like overflow or any person, then we just missed what God's saying today. Because um, in the reality of it, like if it all ended today, like God's still good, right? And he's been so good for five years. He's been so faithful. And like five years ago, I don't think we would stand here and we would be like, man, this is going to be like what we're doing. Like even maybe a couple months ago, like I don't think we would be thinking that but the reality of it is god's doing something bigger than us and um, he's faithful not because us but in spite of us like god's doing something and i hope really today that's what we leave with is like god is faithful and it doesn't depend on us like it's not if you do this, God's bound to do this. It's just like God said he'd be with us and that he's for us and he loves us and he won't leave us. Like that's all on God and we just get to like receive that. We talked about a couple of weeks ago this grace that we're standing on. It's not like something we've done and we've earned, but like the, the bedrock of our whole faith is just all God. It's just all grace. Like I'm not good. I'm not going to be good. I'm never going to be good. And 22 years from now, I'm not going to be good. You know, like... I won't be anything other than what God's doing in me. Like, that's all the good, and that's grace. And the only way I'm going to heaven, and the only way I'm standing here, and the only way we're all making it through this thing is that same grace. And, man, it's just amazing. It's amazing when you, when you see, like, I don't, I don't deserve this. I screw up every single day. Like, God should just take his thumb and... I've given him plenty of reason to, but he just doesn't. And why is that? It's because even when I'm faithless, even when I mess it up, even when I'm like, no, I'm, I'm the one that runs away. I'm the one that leaves God. God never leaves me. And even when I'm that guy, he still never, because he said he loves me. And he said that he's not leaving me. And I just, it's amazing to me. I can't even screw that up, right? I can screw up a lot, but I can't do anything about that. So this morning, um, we're going to be in Luke 15. Um, it's funny how God just kind of plows into one thing from another when we don't know what we're doing, but he does. <laughs> um, Luke, last week we started a series called The Father's Heart, and I don't know like if it's going to be another week and another week and another week. I have no idea. Maybe this is the last week, but I knew leaving last week that this is what God wanted us to talk about this week. And, uh, it's amazing by the way. Um, but as I was preaching, God was like, here's what we're going to talk about next week. And maybe he'll do that again this week. But we started this series called the father's heart and it's a series about repentance. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. Don't, don't be too excited today. I'm not doing like a fire and brimstone kind of kind of thing, but we're going to talk about repentance, and just maybe so we're all on the same page, repentance is to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life, or to feel regret or contrition. I think 
When we hear repentance, a lot of times what we think that means is to just say you're sorry, right? Repent is to say, I'm sorry, to go to God and say, hey, sorry, sorry about that. But like we know really like most of the time when we say we're sorry, we don't really mean that we're like sorry. We're not sorry really that we did it. We're sorry that God maybe is mad about it even or sorry that maybe we got caught. But that's, that's not repentance. Repentance is, is different. Repentance is to feel regret that we're actually sorrowful about our actions, our sin. And then the, the more important part of that is, can we just put that back up there for a second? It is that we turn from our sin, that we stop, and then we dedicate our life to the amendment of that sin, that, that we stamp out that sin, that we dedicate our life to stamping out that sin. See, it's a struggle. It's not just like a, I wish it was like a light switch thing, right? Like you could just quit. Like, I'm sorry, not doing that anymore. But it's not for most of us. I've heard stories, amazing stories, and maybe someday one of you guys will get up and tell it where you prayed God would take this thing away from you, and he does. But that's not most of our story. That's just some amazing things that God's done for a few of you. And for a lot of us, it's not quite that easy. It's this work that we have to continue in of of being different, of being more like him. So we're going to continue just this morning to talk about repentance because repentance is God's heart for us, that we would come back to God, that we would feel sorrowful, that we left God, and then we would spend our existence like trying to be more like God, that we would, we would leave sin because we realize there's a greater beauty or a greater treasure in God. And this morning, we're going to talk about that in Luke 15. Luke, if you've not been around very long, or the gospel of Luke is this narrative story of Jesus's life. It's this story that gives maybe not a play-by-play of everything that happened to Jesus for 33 and a half years, but but just kind of some highlights of things Jesus did or said or went through. Now, Jesus didn't write this, a guy named Luke did, about Jesus. If you know the disciples, Luke was not a disciple. He was a guy that come maybe second generation of Jesus' followers. But if you look at Luke 1, we see that when Luke was writing this, his purpose or his intent in that was to compile the set of stories in as best chronological order as he could And he did this through eyewitness accounts that Luke maybe was not there for every one of these things. But as he writes them down, he's talking to people that were there for every one of these things. And and this morning, you're like, if you've been in church forever and ever and ever, and you're just told to believe it and believe it and believe it, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. But if you're new to church today and you've heard over and over again that, you know, this Bible was written hundreds of years after the death of Jesus and and, and none of this could be um, those eyewitness accounts, that's not true. Luke actually spoke to people who were really there and it brings enormous credibility to the word we're going to read this morning see the truth of it is if we're not going to believe it why are we going to read it and if we shouldn't believe it then why are we here and this morning i'm here because i believe this and and luke gives us the ability to believe this because he's got credibility in his corner this morning and i just i want you to know i'm I'm not a sheep i've I've questioned things i've wondered right And, and i've come to the conclusion like many of you have that there's more evidence to believe this jesus than there is to not believe this jesus In Luke this morning in 15, we see it is writing this story or set of stories. um, And it says the first one is this parable of the lost sheep. They're all about a lost something, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And we're going to focus on the last one. But 
maybe for some background, we see that Jesus is teaching like Jesus often does. And it says, as he was teaching, all the tax collectors and the sinners start to, to come to him to hear him. Now, this is weird. Jesus is a religious man, and he's teaching about how we should follow Jesus. And what we see is Jesus teaches as people that are drawn to him are not really religious people, but people that are sinners, as we see, and tax collectors. Now, we all know what sinners are. They're people who have kind of come against God or broken God's law. We're all sinners. Everybody that's ever existed is a sinner. But it it just specifies in this moment that, that, sorry, I'm buzzing a little bit when I talk. It's kind of bugging me. but it says that, that these sinners in this moment, um, just like us, have come to Jesus. But it, it has this separate section, these tax collectors. And you're like, well, why is tax collectors separate from sinners if we're all sinners? What's the point here? It's because the tax collectors in this time are viewed as like ultra sinners. They're worse than the regular sinners. They're like people who have come and they, they've, they've sold out their own people to work for the Roman government. They're Jewish people or Hebrews that that have started working for the Roman government. And what they do is they collect taxes for the government, but they also kind of in turn are legally allowed to take as much money as they can get. And anything above the tax that they owe the government, they can keep for themselves. So these people have betrayed their own people, which is kind of bad. But then in turn, they're getting rich off of stealing from the people around them. So like if, if Nick owed the government $10, but I could get $20 from Nick then I get to keep 10 and the government gets 10. And that's what these guys had done. And because of that, they're viewed as these super sinners. They're sellouts. They're people that have no hope of ever coming back to God in the view of these people. But these are the people that are coming and they're, they're surrounding Jesus as he teaches. Like, well, that maybe is hard to get. But if you know anything about what Jesus teaches, it's not really that hard to get. And we see that as he's teaching, these guys are approaching to listen to him. And it says the Pharisees, now these are the religious guys. These are the teachers of the law. Uh, And the scribes, these are guys who basically their job was to sit around and write over and over and over again the books we would know as the Old Testament. So they're people that are very knowledgeable in the law. They were complaining. Imagine that. Religious people complaining that people that aren't religious would have access to God People that don't talk like us and look like us and act like us and maybe people that say words that we're not comfortable with or they do things we're not comfortable with. We are uncomfortable when those people come around Jesus. But that's the exact people Jesus was coming after. Really a people we're not too removed from. It says these Pharisees and these scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Oh my gosh. Jesus hangs out with sinners. It was mind-blowing to Pharisees and scribes because they don't hang out with sinners. They don't associate with sinners. They are sinners, but they've kind of elevated themselves to believe that they're not. So now they don't deal with people who are just normal people, really. And they see this, and they have a problem with this, and Jesus knows they have a problem with this. So Jesus begins to teach, and he begins to teach in parables. And the first parable he teaches is this one of the lost sheep. And he teaches about how when somebody has a bunch of sheep and and he loses one, that he would leave the 99 and he would go after the one. And you're like, well, okay, well, why is that important? Because Jesus is telling these guys, I'm seeking those that are lost. I come to seek those who 
are lost. He tells another parable, and this parable this time is about a, a lost coin. He talks about this woman who has ten coins, and she loses one, and she basically like turns her house upside down looking for this one coin. And you're like, well, I still have this many coins. Why do I need to look for the one? And it's because this one coin, even though maybe small, is, is worth a lot to this lady. And when she finds it, she throws a party and, and rejoices. And like, why are we teaching this, Jesus? It's because he's saying again, like, I'm seeking those who are lost. I, I come after the sinners and the tax collectors and, and you guys. And then he gets to this story about the the lost son these are all the same story and we're just telling it a different way and then he gets to the story of the lost son and this is the longest of the stories that he tells and he says he also said in 11 a man had two sons so he sets up this story and there's a man and this man has two sons and this is who the story is going to be about he says the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate I have coming to me. Give me what I have coming to me. That's how he kicks off the story. There's a man and two sons, and his younger son comes to this man, and he says, Hey, um, I want what I have coming to me. He even refers to it as an estate. Maybe an inheritance is another way. Maybe it's worded in your Bible, and if you know anything about estates or inheritances, what that usually entails is the the parent has died, and then the assets of the parents are divided up among the family. Now, can you imagine this guy coming to his father and saying to him, hey, uh, I know you're not dead yet, unfortunately, um, but I want what's mine. Like, like, what is he saying to, to this man? Hey, I, I wish that you were dead, but since you're not, can I go ahead and pretend like it and you give me what I have coming to me? Now, can you imagine that? Like, if you've had kids and they come up to you and they're like, hey, sorry you're not dead, give me some money. Um, that would be pretty rude. But this is what's happening in, in the story. The son comes to his father and he says, hey, I, I want what, what's coming Just go ahead and give me what you would give me when you died. So it says the father, he does this crazy thing. He actually um, goes along with it. You'd think the father would maybe have a conversation with this guy, but he didn't. He he goes along with it, and it says he he distributed the assets to them. So both sons actually at this moment got what was coming. There was an older son. He would have got two-thirds, and the younger son would have got one-third, but he was willing to take whatever now. Um, because he, he just wanted to be away from the father, I guess. But it says he, he distributed the assets to them. In 13, it says not many days later. So doesn't say how many days, but it's probably not very long. Uh, the younger son gathered together all that he had, and he traveled to a distant country. So now it's not only enough that the father is given him whatever he wants, but now he's like, I don't want to be around the Father. I want to get away from the Father. I want to go off over there. I don't want to be near you. I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want to be around you. You're not dead, so since you're not, I'm just going to move away and pretend like you are, basically, is what's happening in the story. And the son, younger son, takes all the inheritance that his father given him and whatever he already had, and he moves away to a far country or a distant country, not next door. He's going away from the Father. 
And it says was he was there, he, he squandered his estate in foolish living. Now, squandered is not a word that we use very much, so I got it up here. But squandered is to waste uh, something, especially money or time, in a reckless or foolish manner. So it's just to waste in, in a foolish way. So it doesn't say what this guy's doing. The, the brother later on in the story alludes to prostitutes, but that may have been an insult or it may have really happened. It doesn't really matter. It's just a parable. But he wasted his money. He wasted everything the father gave him. The father gave him all this inheritance, this stuff that had taken the father his whole lifetime to accumulate. He got one-third of that. And in some span of time, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe just days, he, he goes and he wastes all of it. And he wastes all of it on, on foolish living or living that doesn't really matter, doesn't have a purpose. Now, this is where we would maybe try to get into all the details and all the sins and be like, he did this, and that's why it was bad. And he did this, and that's why it was bad. He did this, and that's why it was bad. No, it got bad way before this when he didn't want to be around the Father. And a side effect of not wanting to be around the Father and to be with the Father is waste and foolish living, wasting money or time. It doesn't matter what we waste. It doesn't matter what he wasted. He, he wasted it, and he wasted it because he didn't want to be around the Father. So he moves off and he parties hard. He does whatever he wants to do. He has a he has a great time for a time. And it says that he squandered or he wasted all of the estate, not just some of it, but all of it, in foolish living. And in 14 it says, after he had spent everything. So like whatever that amount of stuff was, he spent it all. Nothing left, broke, like moths flying out of the pocket, like he's got no money in the billfold. He looks, his billfold looks like my billfold. He's got nothing. Um, it says, after he'd spent everything, a severe famine struck the country, and he had nothing. He spent everything, severe famine struck the country, the area he was living in, and now he's got nothing. And this is where this guy's living. Far away from the Father. And it was awesome for a while. And now he's got nothing. That's the reality of where he's at in the story. Now notice this story is different than the parable of the lost sheep because the parable of the lost sheep was there were 100, now there are 99, he went to find the one. We don't know why he went away, just went away. There was a parable about a coin. There were 10, lost one. We don't know why the coin got lost or how the coin got lost. doesn't matter. But now Jesus is drilling down into a moment because there's all these people standing around and some of these people are just average everyday sinners and some of these people are viewed as the worst of the worst and some of these people view themselves as the best of the best but in reality they're all in this story. This is, this is what it looks like to live far away from the Father. It may be really awesome for a, a while but at the end of the day you're left with nothing. So he spent everything and a severe famine struck the country and he had nothing. And in 15 it says, then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. So this is 
kind of the moment this guy's got into. He was in the father's house, and it was awesome, and he probably didn't really have very much responsibility, and, and he was living it up, but he just decided, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be around the father. He moved off, had a great time for a while, left with nothing, and then desperation sat in, and he had to go to work for somebody in, in that country, not like the father, completely different. And the job that he had to do was to, to go out into the fields and feed the pigs. Now, this is just a story, so let's not get so caught up on what's happening to, that we miss what Jesus is saying here. He's speaking to an audience of Jewish people, and even the very non-religious Jewish people would have been appalled by the fact that there was a pig in the story. Right? Like, that's an unclean animal, like... Think the Lord, we're not Jewish. We can have bacon, and it smells amazing and tastes amazing. But they couldn't do that, and they would have heard pig, and and it would have set off all the bells in their brain. This is an unclean animal, and we don't want to be around unclean animals. Like he's in a different country, so far away from the Father that, that there's pig farmers here. This is a crazy place. Pig, can you imagine pig farmers? Like, who would want to do that? Pig farmers, it's so gross. And then this guy's so desperate that he goes to work for a pig farmer, this unclean animal. He's now working with, with these unclean animals. He's, he's a very rock bottom of the unclean scale at this moment. These are the tax collectors he's speaking to at this moment. Like, he, he's unclean before God in this moment because he's working with all these unclean animals. And that's what Jesus is saying in this moment, in this story. He says, there's, there's this place that this guy's gotten to where he's even working with the pigs right now. And it says that in 16, he, he, was, he was so far down that he even longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating. Like, that's a low place, right? When you look at pig's food and you think, man, I, I want that. I've seen what pigs eat. I had pigs. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. Um, but this guy was in such a desperate spot. He thought, man, I, I would eat that. If somebody would let me, I would bend down in the trough with these pigs and I would just eat like they eat. I'm, I'm so desperate in this moment. This is the moment that this guy is in, in the story. He's so far right now away from anything he'd ever experienced, anything the father ever wanted from him, that he's working with a pig farmer, and he's so hungry, he's looking at what the pigs are eating, and he's thinking, man, I, I, would, I would eat that. But it says nobody would give him any. Nobody cared. Nobody was there to help. Nobody, nobody cared. What Jesus is saying about this man to these people listening to the story is he's unclean before God and before people. And he's in such a low space that he's willing to just act like one of those people. Like that's the desperation of the distance this man has traveled away from the Father. But it says... In 17, when he came to his census, there was a moment, I guess, when hunger got bad enough that he started thinking. When he realized, like, ah, it's not as fun as it was a couple weeks ago or months ago. 
This is not fulfilling like I thought it was going to be. Man, my plan was like I was going to get everything I had, and I was going to party it up, and I was going to have the best life, and I was going to live my way, and I was going to do my thing, and it was going to be my rules, and it was going to be amazing. Like that's what I had planned, and my plan isn't working out how I thought it was going to. And here I am with nothing, and I'm so far from where I was. He starts thinking about this. It says he had this moment that he, he came to his senses. I know what this moment feels like, by the way. And it says, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. This was the thought that he had. He's hungry. He's sitting in this moment so far away from the father. But then he starts to think about the character of the father. He, and he starts to say, like, here I am, far away from the father. I'm starving. I'm with the pigs. I'm not a place that I ever really would have planned or thought I was going to come. But, but, like, thinking about the father, and my father has servants who have more food than they would ever need. My, my father loves people so well. My father is so generous that even his servants have more than they would ever need. And here I am, like nobody will even give me pig slop. He starts thinking about this father that at one point in time he wanted to be so far away from. And now he's thinking maybe it wasn't so bad where the, the father was. And he says in 18, so I'll, I'll get up, I'll get out of this situation, and I'll go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he starts thinking, I'm, I'm going to go back to the father. When I get back to the father, like I've got to have something to say to the father, because I was pretty rude to the father. I looked at him and I was like, hey, I wish you were dead. Give me my stuff. I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. I, I don't want to be around you. I don't have any love or care for you. I don't want a relationship with you. I'm going to move so far away from you that you'll never find me. Like that was the mentality as he left the father. And now he's thinking, I want to go back to the father. But when I go back, I better have a story to tell the father. I got to have something to say because I can't just roll back up, knock on the door and be like, hey. <laughs> Remember, I'm back. Where's my room? It's probably not going to work. So he starts thinking, what am, what am I going to say to the Father? What, what am I going to do? And, and he starts out with repentance, right? Like, I'm going to come back and I'm, I'm going I'm to repent. I'm going to say to my Father, like, I've sinned against heaven, right? This is not the way I should have done this. And I've sinned against you. This is not the way I should have done this. And then I'm going to acknowledge, like, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I'm not asking to come back in with like all the rights and privileges. I'm not asking for my old room back. And if, if you don't get me a new phone, like I don't, it's fine. It's on you. Like I don't, I don't need any of that. I'm just looking to like come back in at servant status. I'll just come back in on the bottom. Like I'll just, I'll come back in. You'll never know I'm there. Like I'll just, I'll do the work. And I, I just, I'm hungry. This life sucks. And I, I just want something better. And like all of a sudden, it starts hitting home for us, right? This is where in the story, like it starts getting relatable for me because up at the beginning, I'm thinking, man, that's a, that's a horrible son. That's a horrible guy. I can't believe that guy would do that. He would say that to his father. 
oh man, he would he would eat with the pigs. He would I would never eat with the pigs. I would never do any of that stuff. That sounds horrible. Um, and then it gets here, and like I've 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 felt that. And at this point, maybe for some of us, we begin to realize this is not just some story Jesus is telling. He's he's telling our story. You ever been there where you're just like so far away from God and it just, you, you put yourself there. And you know, like, right, like the, you come to your senses and you know, like, man, I, I did this. I knew what I was doing when I went into it. I was, maybe that wasn't the intent to get away from God, but like I knew that's not what he wanted from me. And, and I, I just wanted my way more than I wanted his way. So I just went my way. And then it was really fun for a while. Anybody? I'll confess if you don't want to be part of it, that's fine. Like, it was really fun for a while. And then, like, you get later on into it, and you're like, man, this is not, this is not what I thought I signed up for. This is not where I wanted to be. Because at the end of it, like, right, once all all the initial, like, whatever wears off, we realize that we're empty and we're alone and we're feeling like we never really wanted to feel. Because our intent was maybe never to get that far away from the Father. It was just maybe to have a little fun, um, live our way a little bit. And then, like, here we are. And, and maybe that's just some of us. Maybe some of us were like, God, I'm mad at you, and I'm just I'm getting out of here. But then, like, we realize in the, in the end of that, like man, this is not where I want to be. Because there's always that moment for us. If we, if we belong to the Father, there's always that moment for us where we come to our senses. If you don't have a come to your senses moment, then you probably don't really know the Father. But look, we get out there and 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 we, and we live our way and we have a really good time at first and then here we are and, and we realize when we come to our senses that we never meant to be here and we don't want to be here and we feel alone here and we feel empty here and we feel so hungry for something real here. And then we start thinking like, man, do you remember when I was close to God? Do you remember when I was like, do, do you remember... Remember when it used to be like that, when, when I had a relationship with the Father? Remember what it used to feel like to be home? And then this is the moment, right? Like this is, this is where we end up where we're like, like how am I going to get back? How am I going to get back? Like, I better have a good story when I come back. Because what we think is the Father's going to be mad. He's going to be angry. He doesn't want to hear from us. He doesn't want to see us. And Like, have you been there? You're like, I can't pray right now. God doesn't want to hear from me. I can't read the Bible right now. God doesn't want me to be like, what a fake. Like, what a fraud. Like, look at what I've done. I can't come back into that. I can't come to church right now. I can't look at those people in the eye right now. I can't, I can't put my hand up in the air right now and pretend like I can worship God right now. Like, he, it's fake. I'm fake. I'm so far. I mean, maybe it's just me. But I've been there. And this is the moment this guy's sitting in right now. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta find a way back in, but I don't even know what to, like, what is gonna sound good in the face of, I didn't want you to even be alive. What is gonna sound good in the, in the area of, you gave me everything, and I was like, 
Who cares? I'm going to have a great time without you. So he just does the only thing that makes sense. He's like, I got I to gotta get back. I can't keep doing this. So I'm just going to go back and I'm going to confess. I'm going to be like, hey, I screwed up. I, I did need you. <laughs> I didn't think I needed you, but I did. So like I'm here. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I've screwed it all up. My way is horrible. And like I get, like I'm not worthy to come back in and just be where I was. I'm not worthy to like, I shouldn't even be here. Like I'm not worthy to, to even be on your doorstep right now. But I, I just, I didn't know where else to turn. So here I am. And I'm not asking that you put me back in the house or put me back in the room or put me back in the family. I'm not asking for any of that stuff. I'll just, I'll be a servant. I'll just, I'll come in and I'll just, I'll be a servant. I, I can fly under the radar. I'll just do, I mean, you probably don't want me to do anything because I suck at everything. But like here I am and I'll do whatever. And that's this guy's prayer. And like, I've prayed stuff like that. Like, have you ever messed up so bad you're like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll never be able to do that again. I can't talk to people about God. I can't even wear my Jesus t-shirts anymore. Like, I'm not worthy to have the bumper sticker anymore. Like, I'm not, I'm not good for anything. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to sit in, in the very darkest place and I'm just going to pretend I don't exist because I, I want to be around God, but I don't think God wants to be around me. And this is where this guy is in the story. And I can relate to that because I've been there. And I don't want to admit, right? Like nothing in me wants to admit that I've ever thought, God, I don't want you. But I've lived like I don't. And nothing in me wants to admit, I don't really think you're valuable. I just want what you got. But I've lived that way. And at this moment, I start to see like I'm not so different from this guy. So he starts back. He's got his story. He knows what he's going to say. This is in 20, so he got up. That's like four words, but that's the hardest four words to put into action. So he got up. He chose to not any longer sit there with the pigs and dream about eating what the pigs were eating. But to make a move towards something better with hope that God would just let him do something. And he gets up and it says he went to his father. But... While the sun was still, listen to this, a long way off. Not coming up the driveway. Not knocking on the front door. Not ringing the doorbell while the sun was still a long way off. I don't know that the sun made it much farther out of the pig field than the father was looking at the sun. And you're like, how do you, how do you know that? What is the first story about? There were were 100 sheep, one was lost, and somebody went looking. 
There were ten coins. One was lost, and somebody turned the house upside down looking for the one coin because the one sheep was valuable. Even if he still got 99, the one was valuable. It was important to the farmer. The one coin, even if we still got nine, was valuable to the lady. And the one son, even if he still got one at home or a hundred at home, is still valuable to the father. The son, he thinks, I'm going back to the father. I'm going back to the father. The father's been hunting down the son since he left the house. He's not sitting inside watching ESPN, hoping the son knocks on the door. He's not rocking on the front porch, hoping the son starts coming up the driveway. The father left the house to go to the son. Who's telling the story? The one who left the house to go for the son. It says he was still far off. And his father saw him. And it says his father was filled with compassion. And what were we expecting? The father was filled with anger. Or the father was filled with rage. Or the father come after him with the belt. And the father, like, that's what we were expecting in the story. But the story's not that. The father come after him with compassion. And compassion is just sympathetic consciousness of others' distress. Together with, listen to this, a desire to alleviate it. God saw what the son was going through. And it didn't lead the son didn't leave the father to anger. It led him to a place of, I want to do something about it. It says he was filled with compassion and he did this crazy thing. He ran and he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. Did you see that? The sons, how am I going to come back? How am I going to come back? What am I going to say when I get to the Father? What, what am I going to do? I, I need a prayer that's good enough. I need to impress him. I need to let him know that I'm really sorry. And, and the Father doesn't care about any of that. He didn't even let him get any out, off his lips, right? The Father sees the Son has started to turn back. He's come to his senses. He's ready to come back into the house. So the Father runs to the Son. And he doesn't scold him. He doesn't beat him. He doesn't mock him. He doesn't tell him how stupid he is. He doesn't tell him, hey, I got a sucky job for you when we get home. He doesn't do any of that. He throws his arms around his Son and he kisses him. Now, listen to this. The son had just come out of the pig field wearing the same clothes and the same stench. The son is still unclean. And you touch unclean people, you become unclean. That's the rule. But the father didn't care about any of that. He wasn't worried about how smelly or stinky or far away the son was. He wasn't worried about what he'd done. He wasn't worried about any of that. He wasn't worried about his uncleanness. He wasn't worried about any of that. He just wanted the son to come back. And the son starts walking towards the father. And the father comes running towards the son. This is the story that Jesus is telling. He's not telling some parable to some religious guys about how you can be more religious. Or sinners about how to be less like sinners. He's not saying that. He's saying to every single person, you're going to screw it up and you're going to squander your life. You're going to waste it on useless things at times. You're going to get so far away from the father and you're going to think, how am I going to come back? Because one day, if you belong to the father, you're going to come to your senses and you're going to realize, man, what you're living in doesn't make sense. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to be this way. You don't have to feel empty all the time. You don't have to long for something real all the time. You can have something and that something is always found in the father. And he knows you're going to remember that. 
And he's waiting today. He's looking today. And he's waiting for that moment where you come to your senses. And when you come to your senses, he's not thinking, can I scold him? Can I make him feel bad? He better have a good prayer when he comes back. He's just saying, you start my way and I'll run your way. And what an amazing thing to be sitting around listening to Jesus say. These Pharisees and scribes, these religious people thinking they have no part here. Jesus is saying, they're the reason I'm here. The stories about a father leaving the house to come find the son. But Jesus' life is God leaving heaven. Find the sinner. And today, I think we spend so much time thinking, how are we going to get back to the Father that we forget over and over again that God came to us? We don't have to get anywhere. The son comes towards the father. The father runs towards the son. Throws his arms around him. Embraces him because what he wants is that relationship. The son started to say to the father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Listen to the father in 22. The father just ignores it. Uh, That's nice, son. Um. The father told his slaves, quick, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found So they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. Son comes back and starts spinning that prayer, right? Heaven and earth, Dad, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. The Father just ignores it. Can I just tell you today, wherever you are, the prayer really doesn't have very much to do with it today. God's not concerned about you impressing him with your words and trying to use the most lords in your prayer to show how sorry you are. He's he's not concerned about any of that. He's just waiting for us today to come to our senses and to take a step back toward the Father. What's that mean for me today? Well, it means that wherever we are today, that God's inviting us back. He's inviting us into closeness. He's inviting us into relationship. He's inviting us into this place of, of, of restoration. He wants to bring us back, not in a, in a lesser place than we used to be today, but in the, in the very place we left 
He's not wanting to restore us today to, to slave ship, but to sonhood. He wants to bring us back in as sons and daughters. He wants to embrace us today. He, he wants to hold us today. And he wants to help us today. And I don't know like where everybody is. I mean, to be honest, we, we're not honest. I know, like we preach stuff like this all the time. And I've sat in, in a chair down here. I don't know if this is going to buzz. We'll hope it doesn't. I've sat probably farther back that way. And I've given myself reason after reason after reason after reason after reason that I should never walk to the front of that room. That I should never get down on, on my... What'll get down here? What'll, what'll people think if I, if I get down on my knees? What'll people think if I walk to the front of the room? What'll people think if I, if I get up and pray? I'll just do it from my chair. I'll just sit here in a place where nobody knows. And it's like, man, how hungry are we today? How empty are we today if we're worried about what somebody else thinks more than getting back to the Father? See, the reality today is there is not one thing keeping me from getting back to the Father. Actually, the Father has done everything to make a way for me today to come back. He has stepped out. He sent His Son to step out of heaven to come to this place to live a perfect life because He knew I would mess it up. And then at the end of that, he took my cross and my sin and my shame and my guilt and he was nailed wearing my crown to to a cross that should have been for me. Not because I'm good, but because he knew I would never be good. Because I was his and I had left. Because he'd claimed me and I'd went my own way and I said, I don't need you and I don't want you and and I want to live it out. But one day, like I came to my senses, right? And I realized, man, what I'm living in is not what I need and what I want. I I need something greater than this, and that's the Father. So I came and I I prayed, and you know what was amazing about that? um, God met me there. So why would it be different today? That's the question. Why would, it, why would it be different today? If God that day would meet me and I got up and I walked away again, why would he not today again meet me there? If this is time number four or 12 or 150 or 10,000, why would God not yet again meet me there? See, the truth of it is today, God has done a whole lot to meet with me and to meet with you in this place. And it's not about what I'm going to say when I come back to the Father. God doesn't care. It's just about coming back today to the Father. The Father's heart today is that for all of us, we would continually come before him and say, man, I want to be closer. I've walked away again. I want to be closer. I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want what you got. You're valuable, more valuable than the world, more valuable than these things, more valuable than anything anybody has to offer me, more valuable than family and friends and relationship and money and power, more valuable than any food I could ever eat. You're more valuable than anything in the universe, and you're what I want, and I'm running back today. And in that moment, God will meet us here. So I don't know where we are today, but what I know is for most of us, or let me just say all of us, we could be closer to the Father today, couldn't we? And if 
that's true today, what are we waiting for?